Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. I'm your host Jess and this week I'm going to be talking about the What's Happening podcast with Dylan Murphy and special guest Molly McBall McCann. podcast is hosted by Dylan Murphy who uses this platform to interview big name guests predominantly from the world of boxing, MMA and UFC but also interviews rising stars from supermodels to one of the tattoo fixers. He's such an excellent interviewer, he's relaxed and able to structure his questions to lead the conversations without being misconstrued or taken the wrong way. He's amazing at what he does and as always I'm going to mention I love when people keep their authenticity in their accents and he does not disappoint. He's got a lovely Scouse-ish accent as he did remind me he's from Merseyside however based over the water in Rock Ferry so he's not quite from Liverpool but he's really comprehensible, super relaxed and I love the show. Dylan's been so friendly to me since I started up and helped sharing my show etc it's amazing to be on similar journeys as local creators and I'm so excited to talk about episode 10 with Molly Meatball McCann today so a little heads up first we are having a number of storms in the UK at the moment so I can't keep up with all the names of them there's about three going on I might have a bit of background noise from the wind and stuff. I'm sorry if that does pick up on the mic. So in this episode of the What's Happening podcast, the first half, Molly talks about growing up and a journey that she's taken from Liverpool to a superstar UFC fighter that she is today. She mentions having since signed with the UFC, they've actually been making a documentary. So I presume a lot of this more personal stuff will feature there. And Dylan and Molly's conversation is eye-opening. She's inspirational in what she's achieved. And I'm not going to repeat the entire conversation word for word. So before we do continue from it, I will give it a quick, shorter breakdown of what she tells us in that regard. But obviously, for the full story, head over to the podcast. No one tells the story better than themselves. So Molly, I'll tell you it there. However, Molly was born in 1990 in Liverpool. She grew up in Norris Green until she was about eight or nine. And then she moved down to Bournemouth for high school. When her mum got a job down there, I'm not sure why, but a lot of Scousers seemed to migrate down there in the 90s without getting political. But after the attempt to manage the decline of Liverpool in the 80s, I'd say there's a chance there wasn't much work up yet and people had to look elsewhere. And her mum is still down there today, but Molly, of course, has since moved back up here. She tells us how it could be described as a youth on the breadline, like most families in the city, and she did have some hardships growing up. But she says something lovely about how families on the breadline don't have much, but they make up for it with love. And I think that's just so powerful and true. When she moved to Bournemouth, she was four foot eleven, really thin, and says she was quite a nervous, like shy kid sort of shy kid, like didn't like confrontation or fighting. 
but a bully twice the size decided to pick on her. She came home from school with the bully's shoe imprint embedded on her shin. And obviously her mum was fuming. I'm fuming now when it's like 20 years later. So her mum sent her to kickboxing and karate classes after this. And it'd probably be where she got an initial taste of martial arts. Um, Obviously prior to the UFC uh, and MMA that she was doing. So she began playing football around age 14 at AFC Bournemouth and I believe continued the like hobbies simultaneously. Um because obviously the kids do loads of activities, don't they? When they're young, it's not like they stick to one thing. So obviously she was doing karate, kickboxing, and football. Um and when she was 16, she was in Devon watching a cousin play football. And she was approached by some Liverpool Ladies Scouts and asked to go and play for them back up north. So she took this opportunity to come back to Liverpool and played with Liverpool Ladies for a couple of years. When she came back, she enrolled at Liverpool Community College on a boxing coaching course. And boxing quickly became a main love. So after college, she worked at Subway as a sandwich artist, which was where her nickname Meatball Molly comes from. And went on to university. At 23, she was on a night out with friends and says that they sent her home drunk. And when she was home, she streamed Ronda Rousey's live UFC fight and decided, you know what, I can do that. So she emailed someone at Next Generation MMA Liverpool, who she knew and said she wanted to do what Ronda was doing. She wanted to be in the UFC. So expected her on Monday to be training. Having never done MMA and focusing on boxing prior, she went to university the next day during her final year, probably in about 30 grand of debt, and quit on the spot to focus on MMA. A lecturer asked her, like, Molly, you've never mentioned MMA before. How long have you been doing that? To which Molly told her, I start tonight. She knew she could do it. She believed in her ability. She was brave. And five years later to that day, she won a world title in a hometown arena here in Liverpool. And quickly after that was signed to the UFC like that's an inspirational story at its finest isn't it like what the hell to have the confidence and ability within yourself to know that you're gonna I mean obviously she'd done boxing she knew she was a good fighter she'd done the kickboxing and karate as well but MMA is like a whole new level I think she does like Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, yeah Brazilian jiu-jitsu now wrestling like there's so many different like aspects to learn and she done it in five years like she started later than like some people most people probably would if they were going to go on to do what she's done in a professional capacity and look at her out there like the best in the game she's doing what she's done and I just think that's unreal so obviously that's like a brief version of the story Molly tells us about her life growing up and the questions Dylan asks her in that regard like I say, you can watch the full thing over on the What's Happening podcast episode 10. Definitely advise doing that. It's an excellent episode and it's a really good interview. So there's about 25 minutes after this um, where she talks about life since the UFC and other little things. So I'm going to go on to that part now. Like, Scousers aren't taught to lose. Yeah. Like, like, we're really not taught to lose, and especially fighting when we're that, like, we are fucking good, do you know what I mean? And, um, Tough city. 
Okay, so if you know anything about the city of Liverpool other than the Beatles, you know that we love our football. The hosts, Dylan and Molly, no exception. I'm a Liverpool fan. Dylan tells us he's a Liverpool fan. Molly's famously a massive Evertonian. In Liverpool, everything revolves around the football in families. Like, people don't get married on certain days because it's football day. People miss special occasions. People miss the birth of the children in the city for football. So when Dylan asks this next question, I just love it because it's such a stereotypical Scouse question. It probably wouldn't mean anything to people anywhere else. But yeah, it's so... It's so on point. So he asks Molly if she could only choose one... Would she be world champ or would she have her beloved Everton win the Premier League? She said she's happy to be people's champ and she'd rather see Everton win the league. Now, I can't really disagree yeah, because as a Liverpool fan, I would have literally given me left arm before 2020 to see us win a league. And it was the best feeling ever when we did, especially amongst the height of the pandemic. It gave me and a lot of Liverpool fans worldwide something to be very happy about. So I can see why she would go with that option. And I do love the question. However, as I read, I'm going to go with, I'd rather you be the champ, Mal. <laughs> so for a little while, Molly and Dylan then discuss who'd be best suited to swap between boxing and MMA. As in, what boxers does she think would make a good MMA star? And what MMA stars does she think would make a good boxing star? So a lot of people have, tried this in the past and they talk about that and who they do think would suit her. Molly backs herself big time here. Yeah. She's already mentioned boxing would be her first love and she wants to go back to it after she finishes in the MMA. And I don't think there's a doubt that she will be amazing given how she went from newbie to world champion five years at MMA, which probably seemed like a long slog at the time to wear, but it actually is an incredible achievement to start so late and come so far. So I'm sure she will be an amazing boxer when that time also comes around. However, I am not going to obviously repeat the answers to the questions. That's not the point of this podcast. That's why I tell you to go and listen to that episode. Instead, I done my own little side research into other professional boxers who attempted MMA and ultimately failed miserably. So I'm going to tell you about that. So in fifth place, we have boxer Art Jimerson, who turned his hand to MMA in 1993 when he took on Royce Gracie in the first ever UFC event. He famously wore one boxing glove, which he could use to jab whilst using the other to grapple. However, he tapped out after being taken down by Gracie's front kicks to submission. In fourth place, we've got Ray Mercer, former pro boxer come mixed martial artist who took on two UFC fights in 2009 and 10, actually winning the second, despite his opponent weighing him massively over and obviously not really taking the fight that seriously. Mesa retired immediately after. In third, we've got Ricardo Mayorga, the native of Nicaragua, has a reputation as one of the boxing's craziest men, earning him the title El Loco, which ironically my nephews call me Anti-Loco. So that's fun. <laughs> Shout out to my Jack and Ryan over in Ireland because the mum will be listening to this. And made his MMA debut in 2013. 
Originally, he was declared the winner of his first fight, but later was denied the victory due to an illegal knee to the spine, which shows he didn't really know the sport. He went on to have three more fights, all of which he lost before returning to boxing. In second place comes the world's greatest, Muhammad Ali, who in 1976, long before the conception of UFC, had his match dubbed the World of the the World of the Worlds. Saw him face off against Japanese pro wrestler Antonio Inoki in a mixed rules fight, a many ruled mixed rules fight. If Anoki wanted to kick Ali, he had to have at least one knee. Well, at least one knee, Jessica, what? Obviously, he's only got two. He had to have one knee on the mat, which should have really been an advantage to Ali, but ultimately saw Anoki kick Ali from a crab position, breaking down the boxer's legs. The fight did go to the 15th round, but it ended on a split draw, which is never well received by fans. However, it was probably the beginnings of what would one day become the UFC. And in first place is James Lightout Tony, who, as a boxer, won titles in three different weight classes over an almost three-decade career. However, in 2010, past his boxing prime, he was linked to a big money UFC deal and talked a big game backing himself all the way. Three minutes into the octagon, his first opponent, Randy Couture, took him down by an ankle and put him in a chokehold. Tony was so panicked he didn't even tap out correctly. He just waved his arms around in the air, showing his lack of knowledge for the sport. And two weeks later, he was released from his UFC contract. Look, all I'm saying is, if you're going to go between the two, have the right amount of respect for both sports because it's not as easy as it sounds, even if you're already a fighter. Okay, so the next thing that Dylan and Molly do during this episode is watch a couple of videos which is also great because this show is on YouTube you can watch along with them so this one's after Molly became the first English woman to win in the octagon in a second UFC fight the video shows a horrific injury that she sustained during that fight to her eye where it's completely closed over she says she actually thought she might not see again it was so bad she actually broke her eye socket and bones in her nose I've seen this video a couple of times, re-watching this episode now, and it's so bad, like incomprehensible how bad it is. I'll put a picture on the Instagram so you can see too how awful this injury is. But despite this, she left the hospital and went straight back to her fans to enjoy a night of celebrations before getting her stitches the next day. I think she honestly believes that she's ruined her face, but the extent of the injury, I don't think you'd know at all to look at her now. She looks gorgeous during the interview, considering some people take one nose break and have a boxer's nose for life. She looks great and her wounds have healed amazingly, although I'm sure many more injuries will come with it upcoming fights. However, like I say, I'm not even going to talk about it too much because this video is awful, God love her. However, I'll put the picture on the Instagram and I'll put a little pre-warning on the caption before you have a look. So towards the last 15 minutes of this podcast, um, Molly talks about her two UFC fights that have been held in Las Vegas. Vegas is probably the home of pay-per-view fights. I won't pretend I know all that much about boxing or UFC, but I do know Vegas is the big time. Unfortunately, she did lose that first fight there, 
but the second was different. It fell on a late dad's birthday and the media did get hold of that information and talked about it a lot in the lead up to the big fight. It was known that it was a dad's dream for her to win in Vegas, so the pressure was on for her, but she does still have a raw wound from a dad's passing, which never truly goes away when you lose a loved one, so she doesn't talk too much in public about her dad and keeps that very private. So I don't know that she was like massively happy that it was all over the press and that extra added pressure was being put on. But that night, however, she did become the first English woman to win in Vegas and brought the win home. So to congratulate her, Dylan has her this gift made, which she gives her there, and she tells him not to make her cry, but honestly, I did almost cry. He's had a painting made of her on the night she won in Vegas, and I've literally got goosebumps. Molly's got goosebumps. Everyone's got goosebumps. So I'm just going to add in that wholesome soundbite here to do it all justice it deserves. So basically, um, I've got you a little picture, mate. Um, and because you're the first person in uh, in Vegas to win. Oh my God. I've I've had you this made, man. Lad, that's fuck. That's giving me pure goosebumps, lads. That's giving me a lot of shite. Oh my God. Uh, so I got some fellas related for it. Um, yeah, I got me and Becky got a sorted, so this is off me and my girlfriend, Mom. Thanks, Beck. Thanks. Yeah, no worries, Mom. And, um, and you've given me blonde here. And you've given me my cauliflower ear. And the little tattoo. Everything, yeah. the details got there, Mom. Don't you worry. So, finally, one more thing Molly tells us about um, is how her mind can like manipulate her into self sabotaging thoughts. And she's took up the help of a mind coach, Tom Smith, over the past 12 months. He's been pivotal in her getting back to her mental self-belief that she is in. Her own words. That little hard knock from not a screen. And to bring it full circle, I just love that. She is a hometown hero, a world champion, and I am obsessed with her now. I don't know too much about MMA, boxing or UFC, just the basics, but Molly, for me, has brought attention to the sport and made me want to get into it so much more. And listening to Dylan's podcast over the last couple of months has too. So I've decided I'm going to be getting into the world of watching MMA and I've even said I want to give a martial arts a go myself and be a cool, tough cookie like Molly. Now, I can't even run up the stairs without getting out of breath, so I'm certainly not going to be any good. But I've made a deal with my boyfriend that if I go to at least eight classes of some sort of kickboxing, martial arts, self-defence style class, he will take me on a holiday. So obviously now it has to happen. So Molly, Dylan, if you can point me in the right direction of where to start, I am doing it. (laughs) At the very end, Molly is given the opportunity by Dylan to shout out to sponsors, etc. But she takes that time instead to praise his interview style and podcast so far, which is so humbling and makes me happy seeing people supporting those around them locally and bigging each other up. So Molly's next week's fight is next month on the 19th of March 2022 and it will be a UFC London match against Luana Catalina on the same bill as a fellow Scouse UFC star and friend Paddy the Baddy Pimlet, where I'm sure they'll both smash it for themselves, the fans and the city and bring it home. And not that she'll ever hear this, but I'm wishing her all the luck from the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. And I can't wait to see what the future brings for Molly Meatball McCann. 
So to wrap up this week's episode, I am going to give the What's Happening podcast a big five stars, which is, oh my God, go and binge now on the Tuesday Night Podcast scale. I love the show and big things are coming from Dylan and his production in 2022 and onwards. Look out for more big name interviews coming up from the show. I can't wait to see what the future brings. I know it'll be amazing. This is the first time I'm covering a newer show and I'm so happy it was one from the local area. I can't wait to cover more shows like this going forward. So go and follow Dylan now at what's.appenin.podcast on Instagram. That's happening without the H. And you can catch new episodes on his YouTube channel. I'll leave the links and tags on my Instagram too so you can find the show there. Thank you so much for listening to episode four of the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. You can follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Pod or email the Tuesday Night Podcast Club at gmail.com for any comments, queries, complaints or suggestions. See you next week. Bye. Thank you.